from Los Angeles, California on the MTV Podcast Network in association with Panoply and Delos Incorporated. This is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. Our guest today from the Yo Is This Racist podcast empire, Andrew T. What's up? And seated across the table, the mayor of North Mollywood. Please say the R in her last name backwards. Molly Lambert. Olympia's kid. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Just can you do the rest of the show as a as a Fred Durst ad lib? Yes. <laughs> I've been doing that all week. You've been deep in the in the in the the, the tall corn. It's the true. Cornfield. We will get to that momentarily. But first, some space news. Space news. Wait, are we, are we all saying space news? Yes. Space news. Let's do it. Okay. Space <laughs> On, oh, no, sorry. That was my take. I was giving you a joke One, right there. Two, three. Space, space news. news. All of this is staying in. And the last Westworld. We'll talk about Westworld again. This is still a Westworld podcast. Guys, uh, this is my Westworld. This is the best. You can do me, anything you want in this room I except really tap can. on the table. Don't, don't tap on the table. <laughs> Guys, space. The space news is that we are supposedly going to find the new ninth planet because Pluto has been demoted, as you may know. It's been demoted to not a planet. It's just a, a thing, a cool thing. Thanks, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, I mean, my brother's really bummed about Pluto not being a planet. He feels like they got screwed. But there's another planet called Planet Nine nice. that we apparently know about but haven't quite found and it's a hypothetical giant planet 10 times larger than Earth that we are supposedly going to find within the next year or so, according to this very uh, imprecise sounding scientist who says, I'm pretty sure, I think that by the end of next winter, not this winter, next winter, I think that there will be enough people looking for it that somebody's actually going to track this down. How do they know that there's a planet there if they can't? track it down isn't that sort of the only evidence you have of the of a planet i mean i have no idea gravity (laughs) is that what you're supposed to look for i think it was because there are some weird there's some weird orbital characteristics out in that zone that would make more sense if there was a giant planet shaping the orbits around it oh okay but we haven't found it they can see the sort of the footprint of the planet yeah in the cosmos two to fifteen times more massive than Earth. And we are maybe going to find Planet Nine, and what could possibly go wrong after that, after we find a giant planet? That yeah, Nine's maybe seen. Planet Nine's just new. Maybe that's the thing. Just like, just slowly moving into our solar system, gentrifying it. It's time. It's a Planet Nine's time. Sure, just the first thing Planet Nine just builds like a restaurant. It's like yeah. a destination, you know, farm to table kind of dining Planet experience. Nine food, yeah. yeah, you know, then and then slowly. That's where we're putting the Westworld. It's on Planet Nine. We're gonna get to Westworld. We can't make everything about Westworld as much as all of us, I think, That's would all, like to. All we've at, been at doing. this point, it's all I've been thinking about. But. You've also been thinking... Uh, well, that's the end of Space News. Bye, Space News. <laughs> Planet Bye. Nine is, is coming. Uh, get b- Look busy. Yeah. Does it need a new name? Or should we... Or Planet no, Nine is, is nice Planet and Nine ominous, is great. actually. It's it's Planet like, Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, the search... For, yeah, exactly. A movie called, like, The Search for Planet Nine. That's not ominous at all. No. No. I think Pluto, too. 
I think we go with just the other Pluto. Actual Pluto. <laughs> just just strip Pluto of everything. Yeah. It should what get is- like those Twitter names like the real Pluto. Yeah. <laughs> Pluto official. <laughs> Pluto official planet. Pluto the planet. Not the other one. What that's is not Pluto a planet. now? Pluto is just it's like, a planet toy. It's a planetoid. Yeah, it's yeah. too. It was too. It's too small. Oh, that does sound racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds sizist. Yo is the sizist. Yes. <laughs> it's a planet. Fuck. All right. So moving out of outer space. Earth news. Back to back to Earth news. I wrote this week about Bakersfield Sons, the band Corn, with a K and a backwards R. And I did, when I sent the document in, I believe I had the backwards R in every time I wrote the word corn. <laughs> you went through search and replaced. <laughs> Just love it. The backwards R. I, I like new metal. I like things about it. I think it's super funny. And we, I just knew that the Life is Peachy anniversary was coming up and uh, was excited to use that as a reason to talk about how new metal has been unfairly denigrated as incredibly dumb and also fairly. Did you feel that way at the time when it was happening? I mean, not that it, I mean, I'm sure the new metal heads will tell me it's still happening, but when it was in its heyday at the 20 years ago, when life is peachy came out at the time, I secretly liked it. Uh, I liked cool stuff, but then I totally secretly liked new metal. And there was a day when my brother and I like revealed to each other that we both liked the same Linkin Park song. And we were like, (laughs) Nobody else can know about this, but also, like, thank God you know that that's a good song. They're from, I believe, Agora, and Incubus are from Calabasas. They're all from, like, L.A. suburbs and exurbs, uh, or Florida. Those are the places that new metal bands come from, and those are the places that are dear to my heart. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I always had something, a secret, a secret spot in my heart for new metal. And also, if you just live in L.A., it's, like, impossible to avoid. It was just everywhere. Yeah, is new metal... Like, so the way, like, it's, like... Like, pop punk is still happening in San Diego yes, still. Yes, we still have all those things. Yeah, it's still there. That that was the starkest thing. It was one time when I was in college, and I'm dating myself, but let's just say I'm still young enough that it was after grunge, but I took a trip to Seattle, and... Like, my friend had, like, taken a semester off from college and was just like, I'm fucking working at Nintendo. And I went and visited him. And it was all skinny dudes wearing leather jackets and, like, plaid around them. And my friend's roommates were like, oh, are you guys here for the Pearl Jam reunion? And we were all, (laughs) you know, in our electro-clash times. And we were like, fuck no, what is wrong? And I was just like, oh, this is just a regional thing that never left this region. Yeah, you wander into the movie Singles. Yeah. Still in progress. It's still happening. It's like Singles and Sir mix a <laughs> Just guys in like gas attendant jackets just being like, what year is it? Like, yeah. I'm still, we're still fighting this war yeah. here on this island. That really yeah. appeals <laughs> to me as somebody who wants to join a 90s commune desperately. Maybe Seattle is where we should all be. That would be the most appropriate place to build the 90s commune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like Courtney Love could donate like the house. We'll build it something. in the Experience Music Project. <laughs> <laughs> we just in the, just a dome. Just, yeah. uh, Paul Allen, if you're listening, and we know you are, uh, like just a dome out back behind the EMP. 
Just maybe a biosphere for that extra 90s touch. Right. No, we would need 90s air quality as well. You know, to, to hold that in. <laughs> kind of dry, kind of <laughs> leady tasting. <laughs> I asked uh, MTV's resident Bakersfieldian, Caleb Horton, if he had any thoughts on corn. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to add some texture to the piece about Bakersfield. Uh, and he said, not really. <laughs> he said, oh, I always thought they were like the shame of Bakersfield. <laughs> Which I can very much see how that might might be what you felt about them if yeah. that was the dominant thing all around like you. They don't rep Bakersfield the way I feel like most other very like like signature regional play like music musicians like Eminem won't fucking shut up about Detroit. But I, I actually couldn't have guessed where Corn was from. Or they are so from Bakersfield to me. They've just got that that desert goth style. Also, they're <laughs> from like Kern Country. Kern County. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Although I've been told by my boyfriend, who was a corn fan during the correct time to be a corn fan, that corn is maybe an abbreviation of kitty porn. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> uh, for the, for, you know, you're on the go. You don't have time to say kitty porn. No, you got to <laughs> say the whole phrase. Uh, Where's learned, the corn at? Also, <laughs> Point me to it. I also learned that Fieldy uh, is short for Garfield. That it was because people were calling him Garfield the cat, and then it became Fieldy, and then that the official long version of Fieldy is Fieldy Snuts. <laughs> uh, you know what? There is a perfect sense of humor. That's what I'm saying. Like Andrew, you like some some. I like terrible. You like Fieldy yeah. Snuts jokes. Yeah, I like I like terrible puns. I like maybe I'm in. Maybe you also I, maybe make more D's Nuts jokes than anyone I've ever known in my life. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Not I mean, counting. On, on Yo is this racist. Dog. It's it's getting it gets set up a lot, so I, I'm able to work. Well, in a you lot and Fieldy, piece. if you ever. Well, yeah. also Fieldy has a side project called Fieldy's Dreams. I remember Fieldy's Dreams. I don't know like what his dreams were about. It's like I the Field of Dreams. <laughs> that's you, the whole if you, you just mansplain on your podcast oh that's all I do is mansplain stuff to Alex it's the best it's, we're, we're correcting for centuries of mansplaining yeah, we're, here, we're here in North Hollywood the tide of podcasts by the whole podcast is me condescendingly explaining <laughs> stuff to Alex like he doesn't know what music is I enjoy that. I had not listened to Corn in a really long time, and I listened to Life is Peachy today. This was a really weird band. I know that that's a strange thing, but it's like when they were happening, I had I wanted nothing to do with them. It was way too cool. But then I was actually listening to it. I was like, this is like some avant-garde right? weirdness. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, the bass sounds like, it's like it's Seinfeld so bass that's like tuned way down. Well, because it's slap bass, and he was imitating Flea and Les Claypool. There was like this California slap bass 90s movement. But it's so well recorded. It's like the drums and the bass are recorded in like that real sort of like modern kind of Steely Dan drum room kind of thing where you can just hear every like, you know, like pong, ping pong table slap of the whole thing. Everybody was into alternative. Like, I feel like it's there's just not like, yeah. that long of a leap from Nine Inch Nails to Corn. If you like industrial music. Oh, yeah. No, that was what I heard in this that I hadn't heard before, I think. I, was, I listened to I was like, oh, this guy, like, Jonathan Davis really took a lot from Trent. And, like, it's that, especially, like, the whisper quiet parts. Yeah. Like, the, the, like, Every song has a little whisper quiet part. There's and then a little whisper part. 
But the weird part, it's just corn is like I mean, like nine snails just had better taste in some nine ways. Like yeah. they're just like cooler. But then there was that thing that Courtney Love said where she was like Trent Reznor, like gotta fuck my ass. He just like watches football with a six pack. He's like <laughs> a fucking bro dumb. jock guy. I, I, I can identify exactly the difference between nine inch nails and corn, which is that wispy never shaved before mustache <laughs> that's the difference that's it's purely style but it's like it's like corn they seem a little bit like virgins just talking oh yeah they're not <laughs> like, cool trent reznor seems like a man who owns a sex dungeon even though none of it's true or maybe it's not true uh, he might that's, have a sex dungeon yeah but his sex dungeon has like a browns like but again it's like <laughs> yeah it's probably just a rec room it's like a low and brow sign in the <laughs> yeah. light of neon but again it's, it's like you go like maybe marilyn manson is the uh the Archaeopteryx here. He's the bridge, yeah, for yeah. sure. Because he seems like he's right. He is. He is the synthesis of. Yeah. He is whatever the male version of a Madonna and a whore. He's both a virgin and a uh, a, a sex white hat freak. and a black hat are the male version of Madonna and whore. We now know. He, yeah, no, he's the Madonna and the whore. He's self filating, so he's just like a circle of appetite. We're talking a lot about self filating because that was a big rumor in new metal that was like passed on from glam. Where the rumors were about like Rod Stewart getting his stomach pumped for having semen in it, and somebody else had the rumor about getting a rib removed to suck their own dick, but it wasn't. That was Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Right. Have, have yeah. you guys read? Those are like some old ass seventies urban legends that they yeah. just. Plus, now we know it, all you need is like a good Pilates regime. You don't need to <laughs> remove any ribs. Uh, yeah, I was very curious to find out what uh, chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water meant because we all know what the first part means. But I was like, "What is the hot dog flavored water?" What is the hot dog? Well, I had water? some theories. They were all, you know, fluid based that come out of your body. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with that. I guess it was just they were like at a truck stop, and West Borland saw some Canada, you know, clearly Canadian, and was like, "Wouldn't it be funny if there was a hot dog flavor?" And they were like, "Let's throw it in the title." Uh, Alex, may we ask you about your close encounter with one of New Metal's biggest stars? Basically, I, I went glamping for the first time this year with my family, which was because we, we have a, uh, had a five-year-old with us, and we did not. She did. She liked the idea of camping, but obviously, we wanted to be in a house with bathrooms and stuff, and like you know, sleep indoors. Um, so we went glamping, and uh, one day I was in the little store at the glamping place because it has everything. Because you're not camping, there's a supermarket, and I was picking up firewood, and I sort of looked down at the guy in line in front of me, and I was like, "Who's this jackass with an Albert Einstein calf tat?" And sort of filed it away, and I was like, "That seems like vaguely familiar. Like it rang some bell." But then I was sort of looking over here, and then like he sort of did his thing, and I was like, "No, it can't be." And then I'm driving back up to our little cabin later on, I think that same day, and I sort of look to the side of the road. I have my window open, and I make eye contact with a guy sort of like standing, kind of looking bummed out at a crossroads with like a gray beard. It is Fred Durst. I was glamping with Fred Durst. Uh, You know, the sort of, uh, you know, young uh, rock critic me, like might have swerved off the road, you know, just scare him a little bit. But I was kind of like, you know what? Here's like, this is Fred Durst's epilogue. He's here probably with his family. He's bummed out. He's just walking over. I think he was smoking. You described it, it as like he kind of gave you like the dad nod. Like, hey, well, he, don't tell anybody. Yeah, it was like that nod that you get. It is a sort of like unique like Los Angeles-y phenomenon, I think. Where hey, it's I'm like, famous. Don't do hey, anything. Hey, I'm famous. Not here, bro. 
right? Like there's a certain thing that happens where it's like, we're all, you know, it's like, I think I can be, you know, like yeah. a pe- like where like you just see their sort of their heart sink when they've been recognized and they're, and he's he kind of like, wants to be, yeah, a glam biscuit. He was really having, <laughs> I, I don't get tired of it. <laughs> that was a glam biscuit. Joke. Glam biscuit. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's the thing about corn. It's like when you listen to corn, because I, I listened to some Limp Biscuit today too, for some reason, because we were talking about it. And it's like, man, man does listening to Limp well, Biscuit make corn sound corn are amazing. Like and then just the best band ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are some good ass new metal bands. I mean, it also depends what you define as new metal. Like the Deftones are legitimately a great band. I'm a Deftones fan. Uh, System of a Down are legitimately a great band. Corn uh, and Limp Bizkit were sort of the faces of new metal. And uh, yeah, I was just sort of making an argument that what came after it wasn't very cool, actually. And it was a lot more experimental than uh, people maybe think of it as now. Well, because all the sort of hip things that arose like in opposition to that because like I worked at a rock magazine when that was all happening and it was like first we tried to like put some new metal on the cover and act like we liked it but nobody there really liked it like you know we all liked cool stuff and you know but we also wanted to sell magazines and so the only other thing the only other direction to tack in was retro garage rock or electro clash like which you just mentioned like which is like they're both like very sort of like retro indebted Phenomenons and like say what you will about new metal, like it was different and it was a sort of weird mutant offshoot of something, and it was not somebody trying to recreate anything that had existed before. It did not sound like White Snake. It did not, you know. No, and it was more diverse. Do you think? Uh, oh, sorry. Do you think it was think. the the earnestness that made it so lame? No, it's the the dorkiness. It's just goofy and dorky and like not cool. Right. You go straight way. from D and D to that. Like yeah, you don't stop. No, you and you bring your from D and D. This like is, <laughs> this is like the you go from kid D&D to the Fountainhead. The <laughs> That's a different. Yeah, but there's also you go from I don't know what you go from like you know video games to to new metal. So there's something there. You there go was from a very getting picked last for kickball. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it had it had very rec room gender politics, yeah. and I think that was really the reason like people sort of turned their backs on it in a lot of ways because the, it was a lot of dudes kind of who'd ne- been picked last for for gym, but also for prom like lashing out and like talking some shit which is why like the deftones and system of a down it's like the artier version is more palatable because it's not about the experience of being a sort of young unlaid dude in the way that some of those things but, are like so much music is about that that's like all music is <laughs> no it's true it's true I, I you were very i was not i did not need convincing but you convinced me that's what i'm here for to burnish the legacy of corn Go check that out. MTVnews.internet.com. Uh, go point your point your AOL browser to that corn story. I want to do the disturbed yell, but it's not like a corn relevant thing to do. <laughs> Even, but, uh, yeah, you that do. is a deep cut. <laughs> Wait, what is it? <laughs> get down, get down, down with the sickness. Uh, here's what I'll say about new metal. It's the most fun thing to sing. And I know, Alex, you're a karaoke averse person, but... If we ever trick you into doing karaoke, you will see how much fun it is to do a fucking Limp Biscuit song. I know y'all be loving this shit right here. Like that, that voice of terror. Also, it's that thing where you're like reading the lyrics and like really finding out what they are for the first time and like can't stop laughing because you can't believe that's what the lyrics are. It's real. There's one, there's a song later on where Fred Durst and Jonathan Davis like do a rap battle and uh, nobody wins. <laughs> 
definitely Jonathan Davis twins. But uh, there's a part where I don't. I'm gonna get it wrong, but it's like Fred Durst is like, "Yo, I said fuck like 25 times. <laughs> I say it twice more in this fucked up rhyme." Okay, that's not worse than Hamilton. Or that's, yeah, <laughs> Hamilton's not better than that. Oh, let's write a new metal musical. Yeah. Wait, what what era of history do we combine with new metal? Ooh. Civil War, new Te- metal, Teapot Dome, yeah. <laughs> World War One, underrated war, and new oh, metal, yeah. underrated genre. Trench, trench warfare, and trench new metal. warfare is Mustard the name. Gas. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know what though? Like Slipknot masks and those gas masks, not very different. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to mention Slipknot later on in this show. Oh. Get ready. All right. It's going to come up. We'll be right back. a sound effect for Slipknot. Slipknot. We need drops. That's one of the drops. will be a Slipknot. Slipknot reference. We'll be right back. Guys, thank you. Thank you for indulging me in this. I have been doing this thing uh, where I watch every episode of Westworld with uh, my friend and very funny uh, comedian writer Gabe Delahaye and I have been torturing him every episode with a new cockamamie theory about what's happening because I've come to the conclusion that if you just make a fucking scattershot prediction every episode one of them will be right. Broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah and and multiple broken clocks <laughs> spewing out weird android ideas so my, my ideas in order starting from the pilot are it's secretly the Matrix, so everyone is in some sort of a robot form or, or you know, digital projection form. Everyone's robots in the, in the real world, so including the little weird lab that doesn't make any sense as far as the space. The new one, Ed Harris, is a Blade Runner. <laughs> so he, he thinks he's not an android. He's the most android of them all. My last one is Ed Harris is a Blade Runner with the consciousness of Anthony Hopkins' old friend who started the other robots downloaded into him. I believe all of these. (laughs) I'm ready for any of these to be true. Are they in space? Speaking of space news, are they in space? Pull this room. Pull this room. Is it space? Where are they? Why can't? Why are they on the the video phone? the final frontier. There you go. Do you think it's a, a like an island for the mentally ill, and that's why they're all checking in with their families via a very remote? I all right, cockamamie theories. Listen, I'm serious. After this, the, we're recording this. There will have been another episode by the time you hear this. But after the third episode, I am that much more convinced. Third episode is all about backstory and about implanted backstories. And there's a part where like they actually they upload a new backstory into James Marsden, so that suddenly he has a character motivation he didn't have before. Um, but there's also there's a moment like the, after all of this backstory stuff, there's a moment when like there's an incredibly on the nose Anthony Hopkins line where he's like says to uh, to Jeffrey Wright, he's like, uh, yes, I know that the death of your son Charlie weighs very heavily upon you, and like it's such an obvious thing. Like Jeffrey Wright is <laughs> the androidest android. So hard. <laughs> oh, I punched through the screen when that happened. Jeffrey Wright is straight android in this, and like I think there's a moment when he then goes and talks to a woman who's uh, the mother of his uh, deceased son, presumably his wife. And her reactions are very weird, and it feels like she's maybe just running some loops of uh, conversation things. Like, I am convinced. Well, it's hard to tell who's a robot because a lot of the dialogue is so wooden. <laughs> it's true. It is. It, there, is a, there is a fair amount of just exposition. exposition. Just, yeah, but I, 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 that doesn't bother me. I feel it's, it's, it's sci fi. I kind of don't need it to be 
you know, all that, all that realistic. It can be stilted. People are asking a lot of questions where I'm like, you're asking too many questions. About the show or in the in About the, show? the logic of the show that is never, okay. that people think there's like a structure to it. And I'm like, this is, again, the lost thing where it's like, but you they, start keeping track of every number that they show, you're going to go crazy. Oh, yeah. And I can feel that happening. There's a moment when uh, I get lost PTSD from this show <laughs> in a big way. There's a moment in this episode where they're like in a dark, in the place and then they hear something like, like a dinosaur sound in the distance. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, dinosaurs. And then suddenly, like, I, I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm like free framing and like trying to read the chalkboard yeah you're watching it like five times which again you're gonna you're not gonna find the deeper level that way I thought I had worked that out of my system like I'd sort of like personality you did did you do that during true detective also no Yes. (laughs) Molly was the true detective I thought true detective was bullshit the entire time wow I was McConaughey and Alex was Woody Harrelson oh wow absolutely that explains the yeah the fucking electricity in this room (laughs) (laughs) wait okay here's here's my question no here's my demand of HBO Oh, first of all, Alex, also letting me piggyback off a joke that you made last week when you were talking about how Westworld is what it's just like to be in HBO's development department. That's not a joke. I, I mean, I believe that this is a meta show about HBO and about this all of those things. Like, okay. I think it's real. I, I like the HBO connection is, is is for real. But go ahead. And here's my line. Go for it. Uh, Hot takes. Does that include the fact that HBO is just going to kill off all the horses they didn't kill during lock? <laughs> Okay, which HBO shows besides, like, would you like to see the Westworld version of where in in addition to the show, you see the people manipulating everything going on behind the scenes for the people who don't know that they're TV characters? Oh, God. Uh, I I, guess. I just tried to sell Deadwood to somebody as Old West Veep. Dead. Okay, so uh, Westworld versus Deadwood is also on this notepad, and we're not going to get around to it. Uh, The answer to your first question, though, is ballers, of course. (laughs) (laughs) It's ballers. (laughs) It is Arliss. (laughs) Can you imagine just like, okay, okay, send in the contract. Send in the contract now. Send in the contract call. Go, 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 go. I just like watching any HBO show with the idea that some of the characters might be robots. I mean... That's like it's going to change everything about watching HBO now. Like, imagine like Entourage, but then <laughs> they're actually like send in, send yeah, send in a complication. Like, or just like you cut off Turtle's hand and like just you know wires come out and you're like, oh fuck! All Do this they, time, they're, are they ever going to explain why fucking cowboys? Like, that is the thing that because makes, it's a movie called is, I, Westworld. Uh, that is the thing that aggravates me so much about this. Is just like. Come on. The idea that Cowboys. like Westerns have been going out of style basically for like the last like 70 years. Yeah. And yet people are still like, I'll pay $40,000 well, to go to Western land. The last a day. $40,000 a day. The last yeah. big steampunk Western thing was Wild Wild West, which was a huge flop. So it's not like the audience has been clamoring for the intersection of sci-fi and Westerns, except for me, who was 100%. <laughs> Ready for this? I'm all for it too. Like, but but it, it is crazy though that like HBO canceled Deadwood. This is HBO's ultimate fuck you to David Mills, right? Like they're like we canceled no, Deadwood, they we didn't tore down the sets, canceled, and then we built Western sets that cost five times as much. They canceled Deadwood, but they picked up John from Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> that was a show about robots, if ever there was one. I would like to see the control room of people manipulating uh, the cast of John. You just Cincinnati. made me think how happy I would be to watch a show that's like Sex in the City with robots. You know what I mean? Just like four androids trying to find love in the big city. Like that's my dream show. And then occasionally then they become self aware and there's they're like, wait a minute. Just yeah. One they're like, I couldn't tier. help but wonder. <laughs> 
Oh, that's what that Will my consciousness is. go on after I die? <laughs> yeah, that's what that joke form comes from, because that's how Carrie does all her columns. Right. Have we talked ever about the fact that Carrie's column, if it existed, would be like the worst written column ever? Like, it wouldn't make any sense. You just see her typing, and it's just... <laughs> Are there episodes where Carrie's editor is just like, what the fuck is this? No, they never explain. That's one of the sci-fi aspects of Sex in the City. They never right. explain how she gets paid in. so much to write a weekly sex column, but it's because they're basing it on Candace Bushnell, who probably got paid a lot to write a 90s sex column. Which is why it's like, hey, welcome to Vogue, you're a sex columnist. Here's your two-story office. That's how journalism works, guys. That's how media is. MTV offices. I come I to MTV say, and they're like, hey, you wrote about corn. Here's a, a farm. In the world where Westworld technology lives... I want, oh, this is my other cockamamie, this is my cockamamie wish, which is the very last episode of Westworld, we zoom out, and we see that Westworld is just like the struggling mom and pop sex and murder robot park (laughs) that is just like surrounded by like the fucking Jabba the Hutt experience, and like you get to actually be Iron Man, and like, you know, you're Caligula, whatever. And that it's just is like, what the real Westworld... No, but I want it to be struggling. I want, I no, want like, I love owners that. to be like, oh. Well, if you are into the idea of a struggling Old West theme park, <laughs> you are going to love our field trip to Knott's Berry Farm <laughs> to go to the 50th anniversary of the Old West town there, uh, no. where you will get stabbed either by robots or not. Now we have to really do it. Now We're we announce it on doing the podcast. It. Now it's now it's real. We'll find out that it's all a simulation. We're gonna get shanked by Snoopy. Yes. <laughs> uh, thanks you to our sponsor, Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> thanks, thanks to Knott's Berry Farm and HBO for underwriting this podcast. Uh, thanks, Andrew T. Thank you guys for through. having me. This is this is so fun every time. The jam is made of nanobots. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. There's the, uh, the title. The raspberry goo. <laughs> the raspberry goo is going to take over the planet. Olympia. See you next week. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, Kasia Mihailovich, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Get down, get down, down with the sickness. I know y'all be loving this shit right here.